Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast of the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour presented by Firehouse Subs is sponsored by AAA Heating and Air. Attention homeowners, due to upcoming government regulations, the current energy efficiency ratings for HVAC systems will change. Current inventory cannot be sold after December 31st. As the year 2023 starts, customers can expect to pay an average of 30% more for a new HVAC unit that will meet the new government regulations. So what does this mean for you, the customer? There's no better time to purchase a new HVAC system. AAA Heating and Air must empty their warehouse to make room for the new systems. No deals will be turned down. With their 15-year parts and labor warranty plus guaranteed financing, they have made it possible for anyone to get a new system. Call today and enjoy your new home comfort as quickly as tomorrow. But you can only get this special deal by calling 803-677-1500. AAA Heating and Air wants to give you their best deal possible on a new HVAC unit, but you have to call today. 803-677-1500. And tell them you heard about this deal on 107.5 The Game's Gamecock Central Podcast. Triple A air when you need us. Triple A heating and air. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler. This has been in the works for a while. We're really excited to officially have the Gamecock Central Hour. Chris Clark. And JJ has accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl already, which is awesome. Uh, Reese's Senior Bowl. And Wes Mitchell. Um, I think he's well above 200 in the, like, the 210 range. Uh, um, a dude in the weight room, too, like from a strength standpoint. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Game. Two minutes after 11 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, and welcome into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. Pearson Fowler, Preston Thorne, Wes Mitchell, Chris Clark from Gamecock Central here with you. A lot more on Carolina, Kentucky. A brain dump Tuesday. No Shane Beamer press conference today, as of course the Gamecocks are off this weekend, which gives us a little bit more time not only to unpack this Kentucky game, but start to See what we can learn from this game. See what we can learn about this team through the first six games of the season and apply it to the rest of the season, which all of a sudden for Carolina looks, you know, interestingly more favorable today than it did this time last week. It's amazing how much uh, a win can change your perspective. Uh, also get Wes and Chris's thoughts on when the last time Carolina had a win that felt this big was. I've gotten some suggestions from you guys today, and y'all can keep those coming on the Love Chevy phone line and the text line, but we'll get some perspective from a couple of Gamecock historians here in just a minute. But we want to start here in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour by giving you guys a chance to win some money. It's time for your chance to win $100 and qualify for the $25,000 grand prize in our $25,000 signing bonus contest. Just text the following national keyword to 95819. Your national keyword to text is... Oh, it's a good one. It's Bill. It's in a dollar bill. As in Bill Gunter, as in... Text that national keyword to 95819. Standard text messaging rates may apply. Please don't text and drive. The $25,000 signing bonus contest on 107.5 The Game. Chris. Hi. What's up? What's going on? How you feeling? Good. What did you have for breakfast? 
Breakfast was actually a little bit of a protein shake this morning. Ah, okay. So that's why you got, you got a little energy? Mm-hmm. A little pep and step. Good. Good. Some protein, Lots some branch chain amino acids, probably some caffeine. Caffeine came from the coffee. No, uh, none in the in the uh, protein, I don't think. Okay, so this isn't like the pre-workout kind of protein? Nope, nope. That's all Wes eats, I hear. Just breakfast sandwiches and protein shakes. <laughs> it's a good, good way to Can't live. confirm. <laughs> Chris, you hate Mark Stoops. You think he's ugly, and you hate his sunglasses. Um, I, well, I was gonna say I've never seen him in sunglasses. He does wear them, I, so I guess he was referring to himself with those comments he made. <laughs> oh, he <claimed>. yeah. Um, <laughs> Maybe so. Apparently, he used to dance and and wear sunglasses when he got sunglasses to that he didn't even like. Right. Obviously. Yeah. yeah. Stupid and, sunglasses. And he, and he thought that he did a terrible job. Apparently, at the beginning. Well, as, as much as that Shane Beamer video was completely ridiculous in, in all the ways that you kind of need to be to participate in the pageantry of college football. They weren't bad-looking sunglasses, but the one that Mark Stoops was wearing on the sideline during the Ole Miss game were just awful. Zero out of ten. So oh, were they? Okay. I yeah. didn't even notice those. No, Mark Stoops, I mean, look, I have been, I, I think, almost effusive in my praise of the job he's done. Like, mm-hmm. you can't objectively look at that and be like, ah, nah, it's not that impressive. Like, he's done a great job. I've talked about it all the time. I, I've I've thought so highly of the job he did at Kentucky that several years ago, I thought Michigan should have targeted him for its head coaching job. So, like, I have said more than my piece on the job that Mark Stoops has done. But I will also say... You're here today to take it all back. <laughs> no, I'm not taking any of it back. But I am going to say that the way, in my opinion, that he handled that situation and the lead-up to the South Carolina game and the aftermath of the South Carolina game was ridiculous, in my opinion. He, so he had three media, aside from everything else, let's take out the the sunglasses thing and all that. Seriously, does anybody believe that he was not talking about Shane Beamer? I mean, seriously. Does it, does are we any, supposed to believe that he wasn't? Well, he said he wasn't. He said he yeah, was but talking are we about himself. Supposed to believe that? I, I didn't. I, I guess. I thought that's he was just he saying it because it. it was the right thing to say. Obviously, I mean, like it's no. He tried to, I think, make a compelling case. Like I don't, I don't have any room to talk about anybody. Blah blah blah. But I mean, come on, we're we're not that dumb. So anyway, yeah. I mean, take all that out, right? Leading up, Mark Stoops does his press conference on Mondays. So he'll wrap up. It's kind of like Shane Beamer's Tuesday press conference. He wraps up the previous game, and he previews the upcoming game. Then he did, obviously, the post-game press conference after the game on Saturday night. And then he did the Monday press conference after the South Carolina game. Mm-hmm. So and the uh, SEC teleconference on Sunday, right? Yeah, didn't hear the t- teleconference. Okay. So, but he's, he's had a lot. Of opportunities. Yeah, he's had a lot of opportunities. So I've heard three of the four in full. And I don't I don't know if they do a Sunday. Because Sunday is Wednesday. Oh, that's is just, yeah, I uh, guess Wednesday, 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 Wednesday is the, the SEC. The, that's yeah. right. So yeah, I didn't right. hear that. I don't know if they, they maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Maybe they did. Yeah. So I've heard three different opportunities and probably I don't know, close to an hour of Mark Stoops talking leading up to the game and after I'm sorry. Di- didn't mention Shane Beamer's name once. Um, he said some nice things briefly about Marshawn Lloyd. Spent most of the Monday after the Ole Miss game talking about Ole Miss. They they barely – he wasn't really asked a lot about South Carolina. I think they just kind of assumed they would win or something. Hmm. Uh, so he said some nice things about Spencer Rattler and Marshawn Lloyd. Um, 
he he called South Carolina, he said, you know, a very good team. They're improved. But he never, and what's become, Wes made a good point yesterday when I was talking about this with him. It's kind of standard practice to go up there and say some nice things about the other team. Not once. Not Shane's done a great job. Post game didn't mention South Carolina at all. Called them they. <laughs> said that they had a good play on that reverse, but nothing about him. And then the Monday after, he finally, it, it almost looked painful. Give, I mean, give South Carolina credit. They beat us. That's all he said. Didn't Shane had his guys prepared? Nothing. There's nothing. And so in my, based on the evidence, I just don't think, and Mark Stoops and Shane Beamer are a lot different. They're very different. <laughs> we know that. Mark Stoops is kind of old school, et cetera. I just don't think he has a lot of respect for the program. Clearly Or not. for Shane Beamer. Um, wow. Yeah. So I kind of love this. I love this feud, obviously. <laughs> Chris Clark, Gamecock Larry. So, yeah, I mean, let's just turn this into wrestling, right? <laughs> we obviously have Shane the babyface. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, the crowd's cheering for him. And then Mark Stoops comes to the crowd with his 1980s cop glasses and everybody, boo. And he's kind of ugly and he does it, you know. Shane is all wearing sparkly tights and. He's the no fun police i feel like i kind of i kind of love the way this is developing yeah i will say in general like mark stoops not participating in all of like the banal niceties that have become coaches press conferences kind of makes me want to like him more because it's so (laughs) irksome to me when people participate in that just out of i don't know a sense of obligation like i I gave shane beamer credit for not trying to like over inflate charlotte yeah. But how many times do coaches do that? Was like, oh, this is a, this Eastern Illinois team, man. Like, you know, they could they could take on the Rams next week and give them a good game. It's like, okay, shut up. They're terrible. Um, so I appreciate that Mark Stoops doesn't doesn't do that. But, um, and I guess living by his own mind, it's, it's Monday. We're on to the next game next week, you know? Well, th- and, and I get your point. I tried to go back, though. Okay, so I compared it. I took it to the next level. The deep dive. Wow. All right. This, this hate is deep. The Ole Miss game, he was very – complimentary, well, they did a lot of things that took us out of this and give them credit because of that. We couldn't do this because of that. South Carolina game, I mean, you would have thought they were just over there playing against trash cans and throwing air. I mean, I mean, literally the only thing, Marsh, like he mentioned again that Marshawn's a good player, which if you didn't say that, you look like a complete moron after the game. And then, you know, he said, oh, they had a good play on the reverse. They cracked us, et cetera, et cetera. That, that's, that's kind of all he said. And then, Right after, so he spent about one minute, 45 seconds to one minute this Monday after the Carolina game because they play Mississippi State this week. And he said, well, you know, he talked more about how badly they screwed up during the South Carolina game. And then he finally was able to utter, give South Carolina credit, they beat us, blah, blah, we're on to the next one and, and all that. And then he said, ah, oh, we got Mississippi State. You know, when you play a Mike Leach team, blah, 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 this is what you get. And it's like, really? You know. So he could do it. He could he could respect Lane Kiffin and and but I'm telling you, there's something to it. He he is not he is He's not mad. a fan. Well, when you're gonna take a shot across the bow like he did this off season, and then when you're not gonna back it up on the field, there's not really anything less left to do except for tuck your tail between your legs and go home. Take your ball and go home, right? Yeah, I mean he, he yeah. didn't even own the initial comment. Is the that's the, the worst sad part. part. You That's the only it. bad part. You got to own it at that point. It's like Devontae Adams. Oh, I didn't see him. <laughs> I, uh, I actually one of my favorite parts of this entire thing 
was, and it was very easily missed, but when all this was happening and Beamer was asked about it, I, I just pulled it up. This is way back. This is in August. And uh, this Beamer quote, um, I know the basketball coach at Kentucky made the comment he did about the program. I know Mark says he st- he stays in his lane. And I can't imagine he would have gotten out of his lane to direct a shot at me. <laughs> and it was just, it was like the perfect, if you read that quote um, at surface level, it's just Beamer saying, oh, I can't imagine he would do that. But if you listen to the tone, it was, I can't imagine he would ever yeah. get out of his oh. lane. It was, it was so perfectly executed. He had um, another, he had another, Beamer did after the game, he had another chef's kiss comment. It was the one where, and I know they were missing their quarterback, but, you know, we won seven games last year with four different quarterbacks. So I feel Coach Stoops' pain. He said, and I know that their culture is good enough there to where they can play well around them. I would just feel my, if I was Stoops, I'd feel my blood boiling right now. Like, I can't believe I let this little twerp, this little, I want to stuff him That's in a locker. That's how he feels. That's how he feels. I, I think that is. And, yeah, and, and they're twerp. just, they're so, they really are very, very different. And I think it's kind of like, look, Will Muschamp and, and Dabo Swinney were extremely different, and they did not get along. Mm-hmm. Neither of them liked each other, and that's fine. Um, Can I ask a question? Sure. Who does get along with Will Muschamp? There are a lot of people that get along with Muschamp, but but they they did not. Mark Stoops and Muschamp got along very well. <laughs> He's in the car. Yeah. <laughs> but but Muschamp and Dabo do not get along. Beamer and Dabo get along very well. Like they are more of that same mold of kind of coach. Mark mm-hmm. Stoops is from Youngstown, and you know just more of a hard nosed. You know doesn't. So yeah. they're they're just different, and um, I just found it all very interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, to, to come back to the wrestling analogy, it's, it is amazing how quickly he's turned heel. Because this time last year, I was, I was in the same camp as you, Chris, where I'm just like, yeah, I mean, this dude, I, I, I made the case, I don't know if it was last year at SEC Media Days or two years ago. It's like, Mark Stoops is the second best coach in the SEC. It must have been two years ago because it was before Curry won the national championship. I guess you got to bump him up for that. But, I mean, outside of those two guys, Mark Stoops is probably the best coach in the SEC. But... And it's not even the comment that bothers me. It's, uh, you know, the way he coaches guys up to fake injuries, to, like, steal timeouts at the end of games. It's the way that they've never, ever, ever, not even one time in the 10 years that he's been in Kentucky, even tried to schedule one halfway decent non-conference opponent. Like, I, I get, I the way that South Carolina has scheduled recently has been revolting to me. I'm just so sick of all the BS games that they play. Kentucky takes that to, like, the next level. I went back and looked because uh, my friend Joe I mean, really brought this to my attention. I know that they never play any tough games, but he was like, dude, look at it. And I went and looked, and since Mark Stoops got to Kentucky, like the toughest game they've played out of conference, other than the one time Louisville was good for five minutes, was I don't like Northern Illinois. Like, it's it's embarrassing. And it's like, okay, so you're talking about your bowl-eligible seasons because you're padding your stats with these terrible games, and, you know, you're you're whatever. But, like, the the whole Kentucky thing, this this has been – Kentucky is Bitcoin. And the bubble has burst, and I'm excited to watch all the air come out of it. Well, you will be the happiest. <laughs> you will be the happiest man in the world in 2025, Pearson, because mm-hmm. South Carolina, in addition to their normal conference slate and Clemson plays, and I know right now they're struggling, but North Virgi- Virginia Tech, oh, okay, okay, in Atlanta, they also play Coastal and App State, so those can replace the other two. Solid. That's, That's a good schedule. <laughs> that that is yeah. a, that is a schedule where all 12 games will be worth watching which has never been true of a single Kentucky schedule. 
and unfortunately hasn't been true of a lot of care. I that, that it was it was hard for me to hold it against Kentucky because I'm like everybody schedules crap games. It's not exclusive to South Carolina or Kentucky, but seriously, Kentucky takes it to the next level. I, I don't have it. I don't have the note anymore. But just go look back at their last 10 years, and it'll make you throw up. So make sure you have a trash bag close by. 803-404-6100. It's a Brain Dump Tuesday. If you have any thoughts from Carolina, Kentucky, you can share them. Or if we just want to talk about how ugly Mark Stoops is. Let's do it. And how much we hate his sunglasses. We were supposed to do Hate Week last week. I guess we're doing it this week. <laughs> but this has been a lot of fun. So, Chris, thank you for bringing the hate to the table today. Thank you, sir. 803-404-6100. Love Chevy phone line, text line, and get all of us on Twitter. At Pearson Fowler, at Coach B Tweets, at GC Chris Clark, and at West Mitchell GC. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Eleven twenty-two on a, uh, what's today? Tuesday. Tuesday morning here in downtown Columbia. Welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, Wes. Chris here with you guys uh, talking Carolina, Kentucky, really just talking about uh, how Mark Stoops is the worst. Kurt says, I agree. He totally looks down on the program the last couple of years, and it was nice to shut him up. Um, it's it's just it's been fun to watch how much Kentucky has reeled in the aftermath of that game. You know, people a, a lot of people invoking the 2019 Georgia game when Georgia lost that game. It was like, oh, man, you shouldn't have lost that game. This has been like a complete referendum for the entire like Kentucky football program. And it's one game. Like, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Carolina has passed Kentucky in the hierarchy of the SEC East. Uh, and, and to hear their fan base and media members and head coach talk about it, like it's, it's just weird how much they are shaken by one loss that they could very easily just be like, ah, you know, it happens. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> our guy, Wes and I were talking about it yesterday, I mean, the guys at KSR Kentucky Sports Radio do an awesome job, but just to show you how much this has kind of shaken things in Lexington, they was that a podcast or video or, or something that they put out, basically asking the question of, of whether or not this was the worst loss of the Stoops era. Mike, that might be going a little far, guys. So, they mean, also did their video, their post game video beside a trash can <laughs> on purpose. Yes. As a as a symbol for what they just witnessed. I mean, here's it's not even a bad loss, really. Like they lost. It's not a bad loss. I mean, I, I think part of it is maybe what they thought about themselves. I think they thought they were so far ahead. Yeah. And in reality, they're not. They thought their seventy thousand dollar a share valuation was going to hold. Here's what Mark Stoops said. This this is his opening comments after the game on Saturday. Not a very good effort, you know, top to bottom. Uh, didn't didn't start good. I don't feel like we uh, did a a great job putting a first first time starter in in position to be successful. I don't think our team played with the normal uh, competitive character that we generally play with. Even after the tough start, we come in at halftime and somehow manage to tie it up and come in 7-7. You know, then we talked about, you know, again, the competitive nature that our teams generally play with and uh, sustained intensity that we generally play with. 
And I don't feel like we really did that. And that's obviously uh, the job of a head coach to get the team uh, prepared and uh, to put them in position to be successful. And, uh, you know, that wasn't done. I uh, got to do a better job. It's We didn't do a good job, top to bottom. So there you go. Um, you're you're uh, basking in this. Because I know how this is this is supposed to be making me. You know, I was I was sort of torn. I was watching my first love, obviously, South Carolina. But, you know, Kentucky has been catching my attention every now and then, you know, and it was making some gestures towards me. But <laughs> I, I know that I'm supposed to hate Mark Stoops, but I'm listening to this press conference and I'm like, yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't dance around it. He didn't say, "Oh well, you know where." <laughs> he didn't offer any platitudes. He said, "We didn't play well, yeah, and we need to do better." And I kind of like it. Yeah, it's it's grudging respect. And again, like I think part of the reason I hate him is because there aren't enough. Like there are enough things that I respect about him, and I just don't like him. <laughs> it's it's hard to because, like you said, if he were making the excuses, um, like. I say what you will about, you know, mentioning South Carolina or not. I appreciate that his perspective is at least one that projects like an internal locus of control for that program. It's not about what Carolina did to them. It's about their own kinds of shortcomings. I think that's valuable. I think it's way too easy to be like, oh, well, you, you know, they like they did this and they did that. And, you know, they're better than us. And, you know, they have all these players and whatever. Um, so, again, like those are the things that I can appreciate and respect and listening to that. But also... It confirms that I just like hate the dude. <laughs> well, and and but the thing I, I agree with you. You you don't want to say, well, the other team did this because then you're just not taking any responsibility. Right. But you can meet in the middle. You can you can point out some of those. And again, he did that with Ole Miss. He did that with with Mike Leach. Like, so I don't hey, know. That's you know funny. what I also like? Hey man, I don't respect them, man. So whatever. Not gonna pretend to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely not pretending. Yeah, there's no, we don't have to pretend this. Um, But I mean, obviously, it's tough to do that when you're on the losing end of the right losing end of that. But just makes it, yeah, it makes you look like (laughs) like a sore loser, I guess. But whatever. In the go ahead. In the personal text line, Mm -hmm. I have somebody that is way down that will be familiar. Personal text lines are always open, also. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We'll give out your number, Chris. This is from (laughs) Tommy Moody, who is joining in on the Kentucky. Hate week. Post-hate week. Yeah. Okay. Extended hate week, yeah. To Kentucky fans who think they own us, he put it in quotations to be even more snarky, the two schools have split their last four games with Kentucky scoring 78 and South Carolina scoring 76. Hmm. Overall series, South Carolina leads 19-14-1, and and between 2000 and 2013, South Carolina was 13-1. and mm-hmm. Thank you, Tommy. It's true. Appreciate it. Again. Appreciate it, Tommy, the legend. Uh, three more texts from the more public text line, 803-404-6100. Albert says, Mark Stoops is a clown. He's the Fredo of the Stoops family. Absolutely love beating him in Kentucky. Uh, this is my favorite. <laughs> this is good. This is from Josh. Says, uh, Stoops is just salty because Shane is shaped better than him. Stoops looks like a... Th- <laughs> oh, God. Stoops looks like 300 pounds of chewed bubble gum. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Yes. Uh, now, see... We can only have these conversations because we won. Yep. Because if it was nine out of ten, we'd all be, you know, licking our wounds right now. But. I love that all all of these takes and insults mm-hmm. were half baked last week, but people were afraid to unleash them <laughs> yeah, in case Carolina right. lost. Right. 
Um, everybody, yeah. everybody saw the Axl Rose pictures and the comparisons, but <laughs> yeah. you're kind of you're kind of scared. You're like, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, Greg says, uh, "Boom!" Just like that, Kentucky is once again a basketball school. Um, Jeff, with a more uh, analytical point here, says he sees his undoing in Shane Beamer. Look at the parallels. Stoops wins in Williams Bryce year two to start his climb. Shane wins year two at Kentucky. Go ahead and put the rivalry back in order. Kentucky can go back to being just a basketball school, but rivalry in quotation marks there. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Some interesting. Very good analytics behind the, the pettiness that we're displaying up here. We appreciate that. We appreciate that. This is a well-placed bye week. Let me just say that. <laughs> For sure. Well, yes. I think it's just oh, this man. idea. And, I, and again, it's I'm not. When you're just so uh, diametrically opposed as personalities, you know, when you're on the opposite scales, it's just probably irksome that he got beat by that guy. Mm-hmm. You know, like that guy, he's dancing in the locker room. He's tearing up at the 50-yard line, like, get him out of here. Mm-hmm. Stoops is the antithesis of that. Yeah. That's sort of how, you know, that's how Muschamp looked at Dabo. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't like this guy, but he's kicking my butt every year, and I, it hurts even more because I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worse than losing to someone that's also annoying. Yes. And he's our, he's our coach, but I could see another fan base seeing Shane as extremely high on the annoying scale. Yeah. And look, I, I get, we talked to a, a literal professor at the University of Kentucky who was just like, yeah, Kentucky didn't worry about it this much. <laughs> Got to hit him up. The, well, but this, this to me confirms that whether either side wants to acknowledge it, this is a rivalry. Because every single year, and most recently, it has been South Carolina, or I should say more recently, it has been South Carolina. But any time, and it happens every year, one of these schools loses this game, they're absolutely livid. And the other side is absolutely ecstatic and revels in the opponents. Like, this is as this is more of a rivalry than Georgia and Clemson right now, for sure. For sure. Um, I mean, like, both fan bases, both coaches now, the teams are as emotionally invested in this series as you can get. And I love it. This, this game is definitely circled on the calendar for next year. There's going to be a lot of Kentucky fans who have decided, oh, we're going to Columbia next year. Oh, boy. What is it going to take for this? Is well, is this this is a dumb question? Is this how rivalries start? Yes. I was going to ask like how many consecutive wins would Kentucky or Carolina need to have for this to exit the realm of rivalry? But it might just be like this forever. Well, just to heart back on my position, that's why this game was huge because we was on the verge. <laughs> they was talking nine out of ten. It was on the verge of exiting rivalry because there's no geographical ties. There's really no other reason except for we're just fighting for the the best of the rest, I guess. Basically. You know what I'm saying? Although Tennessee is going to have a word with both of these schools about that. Hey, well, Tennessee's fighting for relax the the top of best the East of the right best. now. Yeah, um, that's true. We don't we we will not say anything kind about Jeff Heupel well, on this program. I don't know. You you have your hard <laughs> eyes for Kentucky. I have my hard eyes for Tennessee oh, a little no. bit, which I never thought oh, could happen. No. I really hope my friend Joe's not listening because he hates Tennessee as much as he hates Clemson. I think mm-hmm. um, part of it is just I uh, I've been high on Tennessee, so I I like being right. Mm-hmm. But man, they're I, fun to watch. I, I think this game is so important because when you win it. You you feel pretty good about beating Vandy, um, even though I know Missouri's beaten South Carolina the last uh, couple few, three. Few, oh, ugh. <laughs> that's another. Yikes. Um, all right, so but you you always expect to to beat those two. I feel like mm-hmm. so this is the game that sort of lets you say like oh middle of the pack in the East versus 
Ooh. towards the bottom. All we beat was Vandy, or all we beat was Vandy in Missouri. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, you, it sort of slides you up into the middle of the pack as opposed to being in the cellar. Mm. I'm already sad for when divisions go away. I think the scheduling will be better, and if we have more SEC games to watch, it will be for a good cause. But losing the added oomph with the division games is, is going to be sad. Uh, that's a couple years away, I guess, but... I, I agree. I, I was hoping they'd just go to, I mean, Pods was a terrible name for it, I feel like, but why couldn't they still be called divisions? But. Well, and, and I'll be curious to see, you know, I, I asked what what would it take for this to exit the rivalry zone and might be Carolina and Kentucky not playing each other every year anymore. I mean, it'll still be every other year at a minimum, but that could be a potential outcome of the conference realignment. But that's that's a little bit down the road. We'll uh, we'll stick with the here and now for now. Uh, 803-404-6100. Want to hear from you guys. Um, keep it coming. I'm, keep I'm, the petty coming. Yeah, it's like all of these are like fresh out of drafts. People <laughs> were writing these last week, and now they're firing them off. So keep it coming. 803-404-6100. At Pearson Fowler, at West Mitchell GC, at GC Chris Clark, and at Coach P Tweets. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen. With Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. 11.39 on a Tuesday morning, and welcome back into the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour here on 107.5 The Game. A lot more on Carolina and Kentucky. Uh, also want to remind you, if you're a high school football fan, which is probably most of you listening, don't forget to tune in to the high school football scoreboard show with Tommy Moody and Justin Hall every Friday from 9 until midnight here on 107.5 The Game. Scores, stats, post-game interviews with the high school coaches. If you like high school football, it is required listening. Of course, right here on 107.5 from 9 until midnight um so we can just keep dogging on mark stoops which we should um i was also kind of play like could we could we rank all of the 14 sec coaches from most likable to least likable could we do that is that a worthwhile exercise we don't have to like do it now and in, in real time it's worthwhile Preston likes it. Wes doesn't. Chris a, is just laughing. It's a bye week, so we have time. The big, the biggest swing factor there is going to be Lane. He's going to be, I think, second on my list, and I have a feeling he's going to be like thirteenth on <laughs> Wes's list. No, I, I like Lane. You do? Yeah. I, again, I, I think Lane is the guy. I really. This is where we will disagree. I don't know if you want Lane running your program because I, I still believe it's a house of cards, mm. but. I very much enjoy watching Lane from afar. Like, I, I enjoy all about it. I don't know if I want him driving the the bus, you know what I mean, of my program. But yeah, I'm very driving much, the other bus. Yeah, and, and if he can beat Bama or, be, you know, like him playing spoiler somewhere else, yeah. I'm, I'm enjoying that from afar, basically. He's really one of the only swing guys because I feel like the SEC's pretty, like Shane is almost inarguably likable. I don't know anyone that doesn't like Mike Leach. Like, there's a lot of guys in the SEC that are fun to pull for. And then there's a bunch of guys that are like, I would not be mad. Well, I'll just say, I hope a bird poops on his head every single day for the rest of his life. <laughs> there's not a lot of middle ground coaches in the SEC. I don't know. Anyway, that, that might be a fun exercise uh, for another day. But Wes wanted to actually talk about some things that happen in the football game, which is fair. We like to do that sometimes on the show. Uh, in particular, you said you wanted to... Uh, to draw some attention to the defensive game plan that Clayton White brought to Saturday night. Yeah, I just I thought it was very interesting because we talked, uh, I think on this show, and I know we talked in our podcast uh, going in about would South Carolina 
make any meaningful changes, uh, either from a scheme standpoint or from a personnel standpoint. Uh, you know, possibly playing Tonka Hemingway at the edge some uh, again. You know, maybe playing some of that five two or three four, uh, whatever you want to call it. We saw them play against Arkansas, and you know, Clayton White. Like you, you want to talk about identity? We talk about identity or lack of identity on the offensive side all the time. But uh, Clayton White and the defensive staff is completely and entirely in love and married with their four two five. <laughs> like they said. We we ain't changing basically, and they went into this game, and yeah, they had a they had a guy in the box pretty much the entire contest, and uh, you know even the deep safety was maybe a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage than they're used to seeing. But I, I just thought it was interesting that they just said, "Look, this is what we do. We're a four two five defense. We're playing uh, several freshmen who I guess probably aren't really freshmen anymore. They played so much now, but uh, they just said we're going to roll with what we do." And I, I thought that was. Um, interesting because they did give up some yardage on the ground, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they also kept their athleticism in the game, and it paid off in terms of some negative plays and sacks and pressures and stuff like that as well. So um, I, I just thought that was kind of an interesting game plan yeah. decision. Well, let me let me throw this your way. If Carolina had been fully healthy, do you anticipate they would have rolled out there with the same game plan? Because I think we have seen that Clayton White likes to stick with his base, which makes sense, and do what you're good at. But South Carolina, you know, Boogie didn't travel, RJ didn't travel, Devonnie Reed didn't travel. They were a little bit shorthanded. Did that, did that force them to maybe make fewer adjustments to what they wanted, what they maybe would have wanted to do defensively? I think you know it could have, um, you know, against against Arkansas when they went sort of heavier, um, but they still didn't run like a four three. They didn't put a third linebacker, so that mm-hmm. that would have been one option. Would have been like to put Debo Williams on the field as well, to put Bam on the field as well. Um, the lack of depth right now at defensive tackle, because against Arkansas, they basically added an additional interior lineman. Uh, now, that said, they did play T.J. Sanders some in the game. They did play Nick Barrett some in the game. If they wanted to, you know, they could have played um, basically Nick Barrett, Zach, and Tonka, or uh, they could have played M.J. Webb, Zach, and Tonka. Like, they had some options there if they really wanted to do that because, um, you know, they still played uh, – it would have been Gilbert and George Birch on the outside. Um, in the Arkansas game, it was Jordan Birch, Jordan Strong on the outside. But I, I think they, I think the trust in Gilbert Edmond is growing um, is maybe part of that. But I, I was a little bit surprised we didn't see some of Tonka on the outside. Um, and again, yeah, maybe the depth does play into that, but it's not like they have a lot more depth still at sort of those interior, bigger defensive line spots than they do um, – for example, like at safety where David Spalding just, hey, man, you're going to play safety this week. Good luck. So I don't know. I, I thought it was interesting that he was just that committed to, to what he does. Yeah, it looks like that's what they're going to be in. That's that's who they are. And when you do that, there is sort of a buy-in, especially when you have uh, a modicum of success against, against a team. But I think it's interesting to me looking at Tonka play inside is the first time you started to see some – uh, dynamicism, some twitch, some sort of burst from one of those inside guys. And I think that allows Zach to go back to doing what he's more natural at doing, which is being more of the run stuffer, the the two-gap or the plugger. And maybe that changes the perception of how he's playing. Mm. Because 
previously without having the other guy that can get upfield and rush the passer. You're sort of expecting that from Zach. And to go back to Josh's call, that may not be who Zach is or what he does well, but what he does do very well is stop gaps, take up room, make plays along the line of scrimmage. So maybe the emergence of Taka as a three-tech, somebody who can get upfield, make plays, rush the passer, that might improve Zach's game also. So that's something I would like to keep an eye on. What did you see uh, put on your former player hat? I know you watched the the defensive line, I'm sure, a bunch. Um, What did you see from Tonka and those guys as the game played out, maybe compared to previous games this year? Yeah, I I think just going back to Tonka, I saw Tonka being able to get upfield. They were able to win a lot of times with just four, aside from bringing, you know, adding extra men to pressure. And I think with Tonka being able to get upfield, make that initial burst, that allows Zach to solidify the pocket and maybe play cleanup man mm-hmm. instead of the guy that has to put the initial rush on on the passer. That also allows uh, Jordan Birch and your guy from Gilbert. You, you should take you should take credit for it. That's him. Y'all yep. y'all been y'all been preaching Gilbert for a while now, um, but he looks like he's getting more comfortable at playing. But I just think the emergence of Tonka. Taking that outside defensive end skill set, moving it down to a three-take, has made the, the overall team speed a little bit faster. Yeah, did you notice him? Because I, I didn't particularly notice it, but did I mean to the extent that he's giving up any size on the, on the inside relative to like an MJ or a Zach, didn't make that big of a difference in your opinion? Maybe relative, but not enough that he can't make up for that with speed. Because right. I think when you play Zach and you play uh, Boogie, you play Alex Huntley together, he kind of playing twins. They're like identical guys. The difference in their skill set is not very much. So you don't necessarily need two of the same guy. Hmm. Whereas Tonka brings a different skill set than anybody else that they have that's playing interior, um, including MJ Webb. And there's one more guy that they play inside. Yeah, they're playing uh, Nick Barrett and TJ Sanders. So those the are the next... Nick Barrett and T.J. Sanders are more so your pass rushers. We talked about mm-hmm. T.J. being a basketball guy. So I like the idea of having two different types of interior linemen and more so just so that it allows Zach to be good at what he's really good at instead of us looking for him to be something that maybe he's not. Yeah. That's interesting. This is, this is totally changing my approach to recruiting whenever the next NCAA football game comes out because <laughs> I always recruit run-stopping defensive tackles but it sounds like I should take a run stopper and a pass rusher. Well, I mean, that's generally how your your one technique and your three techniques break down. Your three tech is yeah. the guy that you want to get in one-on-one situations that can make a move. Your one guy wants to be a little bit more sturdy. There there was a thought process that started to emerge, um, I would say, fairly recently, the last maybe five years or so. It used to be your your pass rush, your edge rush guys by far. And, you know, you could see it played out in the NFL as far as the amount of money those guys command. The most one of the most important positions on the field from a defensive standpoint. But there is a thought these days, especially in college, as much as teams quick throw you, it's more important if you have a guy who can create that initial rush on the inside mm-hmm. than it even is on the outside because so many of your outside rushers get negated by the quick passing game, whereas initial pressure up the middle almost always can affect a play if uh, whether it's, you know, Zach just sort of holding up or, you know, there were several times where Zach didn't quote unquote make the play, 
but I noticed him just just getting a push, and it was mm-hmm. he was putting his guy on skates basically. Um, I think there was one play they had two guys on him, and he was driving them both backwards. Yeah. Um, that just it makes life so much easier, I imagine, on everybody else up front when well, that it's, happens. It's a lot easier to see when someone changes a sport like, uh, you know, like Will Chamberlain or Kareem in basketball and you're not allowed to dunk and things like that. It's a little harder in football because there's so many moving pieces, but that's the impact that someone like Aaron Donald has. He completely changes the way that people value interior defensive linemen because, you know, obviously there's there's only one Aaron Donald, <laughs> but it just changes the way that you think about the geometry of the pass rush, which is... I mean, incredibly valued. As good as he is as an individual player, that's part of his impact that will be felt for years to come. 803-404-6100. A few more thoughts on Carolina-Kentucky as we wrap things up here on the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. It's the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Presented by Firehouse Subs. Founded by Firemen with Pearson Fowler, Chris Clark, and Wes Mitchell. On the home of the Gamecocks. 107.5 The Game. Just a couple minutes left here in the Gamecock Central Takeover Hour. Pearson, Preston, West, Chris here with you. Plenty more on Carolina, Kentucky tomorrow. Again, no Shane Beamer press conference today, but we will start to see what lessons uh, maybe Carolina has learned from the Kentucky game, how they can apply that to the rest of the season. Also, we'll have a poll question for you guys tomorrow that I'll set up for you in just a minute. But first, Wes wants to remind everybody about Kendall Walsh. Yes, uh, Kendall, a good a good friend of mine, I should say. Also, my realtor, she can be yours as well. Uh, Kendall is not only a huge South Carolina football fan, she is also a two-time graduate of the University of South Carolina, uh, earning her undergraduate degree there. And uh, she also, uh, you may remember her when she was Kendall Belk working for the Gamecock Club. She was the first female assistant Gamecock Club director in the club's history so uh, shout out to Kendall. You should give her a call if you're in the market for a new home or if you are just um, kind of wanting to be in the market but are a little unsure about what it looks like, what you need to know, uh, you can make a no-obligation phone call to Kendall. That's 803-414-3590. Kendall is, of course, uh, with the Moore Company, workwithwash at gmail.com and at workwithwash. That's on Twitter. That's on Instagram. All the social medias. Uh, hit up Kendall. Again, she helped me and my fiance get into a house, and she can do the same for you. Uh, help help walk you through that process. 803-414-3590. Tomorrow we'll unpack this more. I don't need your final answer right now, but be thinking about it, guys. This Carolina win, you know, the first time in however many years they've had three straight wins, their first road-ranked win since 2019, all these things, all these qualifiers. This Kentucky win is the biggest win for South Carolina since dot 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 question mark and if you feel like it's maybe not that important then you can just say i don't know florida last year auburn last year something like that but be thinking about that i'll try to get a few suggestions maybe throw in the form of a poll question but that is all of your homework for tonight be thinking about that how big do you feel like this kentucky win actually was the stoops hate aside uh the importance for this season before the open week grab a first sec win recent history with kentucky that's your homework assignment we'll do more of that tomorrow and more thoughts on, on on Carolina as they enter the open week. But that is all we have time for today. Appreciate you all listening. And the Halftime Show is coming up next. Ross Matthews talks to celebrities, friends, and people with interesting stories to tell. Who's saying, hello, Ross, this week? Chelsea Handler. I'm not home enough to have a third dog. My housekeeper basically is their parent. I'm not going to get another dog so that she has to take care of another dog until one of these dogs exits. It's a good move. I have three rescue dogs and only two hands. And when you're one person, that's too hard to do. I recommend two max, okay? Use your foot, Ross. Hello, Ross. Available on YouTube or wherever you listen.